I enjoy a good monster story. Not for the sake of glorifying monsters, but because I like to see good triumph over the ugliness of sin. A good monster story can point us to the ugly truth that sin corrupts the world and God's goodness is truly the antidote to evil. The account of Jesus casting out demons in Matthew 8 is full of monsters. Scripture tells us of demons possessing people, townspeople who prefer evil to God, and even people calling Jesus the ruler of demons. Yet we know that Jesus is not a wicked ruler of demons, and even when people were hostile to his ministry, even to the point of casting him out of society, Jesus held firm to his purpose. And his purpose was to pull people out of the way of death and onto the way of life. And the unfortunate truth of Scripture is this, that some people will love demons over the holiness of God. So, thank you for joining us. We hope you're having a good day. And we are Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure produced by clergy in the Church of the Nazarene. And I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor, but I'm not alone here in Cord Purgatory. I'm Pastor Anthony Alegria. And Anthony, after you've introduced yourself, why don't you go ahead and start us reading in our scripture today. We're going to be looking at the gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 8, and verses 28 through 33. So Anthony, would you lead us into Matthew 8, 28? When he came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, two demoniacs coming out of the tombs met him. They were so fierce that no one could pass that way. Suddenly they shouted, What have you to do with us, son of God? Have you come here to torment us before that time? Now a large herd of swine was feeding at some distance from them. The demons begged him, If you cast us out, send us into the herd of swine. And he said to them, Go. So they came out and entered the swine, and suddenly the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and perished in the water. The swine herds ran off, and on going into town... They told the whole story about what had happened to the demoniacs. Then the whole town came to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to leave their neighborhood. All right, so if you've watched a lot of monster movies and things, you know that historically, townsfolk are often depicted as grabbing their pitchforks. They have things lit on fire. They're going to hunt down the witches and monsters in their midst. But surprisingly, this is not the case in this text. If we look to the gospel according to St. Matthew, the townspeople are perfectly fine having demoniacs in their cemetery. And in fact, they would rather hunt down the man casting out demons than to be liberated from evil. And there's a fascinating juxtaposition which happens in this story, which you may miss if you read it too quickly. Because the truth is, Jesus is casting out demons, but the townspeople want to cast out Jesus. Upon hearing that he has come and he has cleansed these demoniacs of their oppression, they decide that they're going to come beg him to leave polite society. They don't really want the holiness of God there. And this really is a fascinating thing. And although we do not hear specific words of dialogue from the townspeople in this text, we know that in the following chapter of Matthew 9, the Pharisees, they will explain away all of this. They will say, oh, Jesus, he has power to cast out demons because he is the ruler of demons. Now, it is true that when Jesus casts out the demons, they have to follow his rule and his law. But Jesus is not the one who is wicked, who inspires them to do wicked things. He is not their wicked controller, as they would suggest. And we know that Jesus, he is one who is holy and godly. And the evil that is in the world, he comes to cleanse it and get it out. When we look to this text, we could assume that the similar logic is at work here. That the reason why the townspeople want Jesus gone is they say, well, he must have some power over them there. He must be one of them. He must be one of them. That is sort of the logic. 
But I don't think it's actually necessary for us to do this. I think the text actually says enough in showing that some people simply prefer to hold on to demonic possession rather than to find the freedom that God has in store for us. It's not a logical thing. It's not something which is very obvious, but yet it is prevalent in our world. People do this all the time. People often think they know what will be satisfying and fulfilling in life, but anyone who is, well, anyone who has the perspective of an outsider, an onlooker, they can see clearly that someone is holding on to misery and suffering. And that's what's going on here. The townspeople literally prefer the demoniacs and the oppression of demons to the healing power of Jesus. They do not want to let God work. It's mysterious and strange, and they're a bit hostile to it. They do not want to let go of the victimhood that defines their society. They do not want aspirations, but to remain in a lowly state. They do not want to reach towards the heights of God because it is easier to remain in the lowest point of existence. But Jesus, he comes in this text, and with a purpose. He comes to cast out demons, but people would rather cast Jesus out of polite society. It is much more socially acceptable to have demoniacs in your graveyard than to have the Son of God roll into town and tell the evil to get out. The townspeople come to Jesus begging him to leave. And I, I find it really, I don't know, it just bewilders me that they come begging. They kind of have this polite version. They're not the mob that is aggressive with the, the things on fire and the pitchforks, but instead they just come over to him and say, please leave. Please, Jesus, we don't want your holiness here. They come to Jesus and they, they look at the whole situation. They say, oh, we're, we're a polite society. We can't have your holiness rolling around here and casting out demons. You know, we can't allow something as just and as righteous as the casting out of demons to disrupt the order of polite society. And this selection of scripture, it teaches us a brutal truth that we often do not want to hear. Not everyone desires good things in life. And some people do not want goodness to be defined by God. Some sometimes people are actually hostile to righteous change. And that is pretty much the truth of this. And it's the truth a lot throughout the gospel. Not every story has a demoniac in it, but there are a lot of times people are really hostile to righteous change. They don't want the justice of God. They want their version of justice. They want some sort of qualifier on it. They want something different than the true justice which comes from God. Because God is ultimately the one who will come to judge the living and the dead. But Jesus, he is walking along on his adventure. The adventure of holiness, the adventure of Jesus' ministry. And if we look at the story closely, we'll find it is the demons who come running out to address him. It is the demons who start talking to Jesus, if we can even describe their behavior, their antagonizing behavior as talking. But if we were more honest, we might say they're doing something like fitting. They're throwing a temper tantrum. They're throwing a fit. The demons come out shrieking like toddlers who have just realized their parents are watching their naughtiness. The demons, they behave like children about to be busted for playing with the beautiful heirloom that wasn't really a toy for them. They have been caught destroying something valuable that wasn't theirs to play with. And that's really what happens here. You find them, Jesus, he comes onto the scene, and you've got to realize this is really a doom and gloom scene. Jesus is walking along. There's the graveyard. There are the tombs. You see these demoniacs come running out, shrieking like toddlers. They've been busted. They didn't realize their parents were looking at them, and suddenly they realize that, hey, the parents are looking. And as Jesus comes along, he is the son of God, and they realize, hey, God actually is watching us. And without even Jesus addressing them first, they come and they start spewing their own culpability. It's so fascinating that they convict themselves and they betray the truth of their wickedness. Jesus does not even have to say a word to them. They basically confess all of their guilt. Now, 
they're not very repentant because in their own confession they say, well, let us just go to the swine. Let us go somewhere else. Anthony? I'm not going to lie. That sort of reminds me of kids, too. Um, sometimes you don't even have to say anything to them. And when they know they've done something bad, you walk up with a certain face or whatever. They just start confessing everything wrong they've ever yeah. done that day. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. This is exactly what children do. That's what the demons are like. They come up. They betray all of their guilt. They confess it all, basically. But it's not a repentance. And this is the thing. Like, confession without repentance is basically hollow. You know, they'll come out, the demons will, and they'll say, oh, you're the son of God. Have you come to torment us? They'll, they'll confess some things which have elements of truth in them, but they have no interest in changing their way. I mean, they, they're like, hey, send us into something else. You know, this is what evil really likes to do. It wants to separate God's precious creatures from the breath of life. But in our text, after the demons, they spew their guilt, Jesus finally speaks to them. And he only says one thing, go, or in the Greek, hupagete. And we can imagine that this would look something similar to the scene in High Plains Drifter when Clint Eastwood says out to the panicking innkeeper. Now, we actually have this clip for you to view, and Anthony, if you'll go ahead and play that for people. Well, I just can't, uh, I mean, I got eight people living in rooms up there in my hotel, and I just, where are they going to go? Out. I don't know about you, but I really feel like that clip from High Plains Drifter catches this. The demons are there, they're arguing, they're like, where are we going to go? We've been in the demoniacs, like, oh, we, we weren't supposed to play, be playing with this. This wasn't our toy. We weren't supposed to be touching people like this. Jesus just looks at them. And I don't know if Jesus had a, a mug there like Clint Eastwood does, but I, I hope so. And he just says, go, out. And that is what we get. After enduring the panicked fit of these demons, Jesus simply says, go. Evil, it's been busted. It's been sent away. It cannot remain after Jesus cast it out. So we've seen a lot of things going on here. You know, the, the townspeople that come along and say, Oh, please, Jesus, leave. We can't suffer your holiness anymore. Just out. We're polite people. We can't be casting out demons. You know, we, we prefer to have the demoniacs in the graveyard than your holiness here. Then you get the demons themselves saying, Oh, you've come to torment us and please, please send us into the swine. But a fascinating part of this text is there's one group of people that you don't hear anything from. They're completely silent in this account. And they are the demoniacs themselves. We don't actually hear anything from the people who, firsthand, they experience the demonic possession. We hear from the demons possessing them. We hear from the townspeople. We hear from Jesus. But we do not hear any indication of any words that were spoken by the people who were personally possessed. But we know that Jesus had a conversation with the demons who crave the way of death and desire any death they can get their hands on, even if the only death they can get their hands on is that of swine. You know, sin and chaos, it loves to separate the breath of life from God's precious creatures. We get an indication of what the townspeople say when it says they begged him to leave. You know, there's no specific words there, but we get that they were begging him to leave. But as far as the demoniacs themselves go, there's no mention here. The demoniacs, the demoniacs, it's a weird word to get pronounced out there, they are not consulted about their wishes. Now, we might assume that they prefer the demons out of them, just as we might assume that townspeople would desire demons removed from the cemetery. But as the stories go, we would be wrong in this assumption because the townspeople don't actually want Jesus to be casting out demons. They don't want that sort of exorcism. They prefer just to have them there in the cemetery. And on that logic, we're just going to abstain from assuming anything about those possessed by the demons. 
Because what we know is sometimes people get addicted to things which are unhealthy for them. Sometimes they don't even know really what they want. There's a good chance that people deep down inside they want to be free, they want to be liberated, but oftentimes people don't even know how to pursue blessing. But what we do know from this is that Jesus did not consult them, that he came to them and cast out the demons with a single command. Jesus knows what is best for us more than we do ourselves. Anthony? I guess uh, also on another note, you can certainly say that they did not earn it. Uh, it was by his own grace that they were saved yeah. from the demons. Yeah. You, you see no conversation at all here with the actual people possessed by the demons. But we know this. Our Heavenly Father does not want our lives to be centered around the sins and sufferings that marked us while we were on the way of death. God does not want us to hold on to the demonic possession like the townspeople. God wants us to be liberated from sin and chaos. But the truth of it is, is a lot of people in the world, they like to hold on to things. Our world is riddled with identity politics. The sermon I'm going to give this upcoming Sunday is addressing that. But we find that people, they really want to hold on to it. They won't let it go. They won't let the victimhood go. If you've watched some of the movie reviews we've been putting out, the first one I did was on... Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, and the main monster in that film wants to hold on to the victimhood. She was legitimately the victim of a horrific series of events as a child. Her family did terrible things to her, and she said, well, now I get to be a monster. A lot of people do that. They want to be the demoniac because they have power. You have strength. You can go out and you can make other people suffer. You can spread your suffering everywhere. You can you know, have vengeance on those who did you wrong. But the gospel tells us not to do these things. Hand it up to Christ Jesus. Christ is the truth. He is the one who will ultimately give justice. Don't hold on to a grudge. Don't hold these things close to yourself. We look at this story, and you might think it's just a strange story with townspeople who are sympathetic to their demoniacs and hostile to the one who can exercise them. But the truth of it is, a lot of people in the world fall into this. We all have this tendency where we want the things which give us power. And many times throughout history, victimhood actually gives people power. It makes them stronger. It gives them strength. It gives them an excuse to do terrible things. And they claim that they are acting one way, but truth, they are just working out of spite and hatred of others. Evil really likes to attack virtue, and it often likes to mask itself as virtue. Evil, it likes to call people names. And while we didn't see Jesus called names in Matthew 8, we will see that happen in Matthew 9. And... Oftentimes, evil likes to spread false representation about those who are trying to live righteous. And this is what happens when we try to live as God called us to live. Being falsely accused of witchcraft is not the same thing as actually pursuing black magic. And we have to have a firm backbone and not care if we're going to be the church when people call us names. Polite society doesn't want the holiness of God. It, it just doesn't. And oftentimes the church kind of wants to water itself down to make it smooth and frictionless and just pass right on in. But the truth of the gospel is Jesus comes and says some things to these people which kind of hurts their feelings. They're not very happy with him for doing this, but Jesus does it all the same because he is a gracious God. There are people who enjoy wickedness and evil, and oftentimes evil tries to persuade people from finding freedom. We know this happens all the time. People are so regularly persuaded away from freedom under the security of wickedness. People who try to be righteous are oftentimes called names, falsely accused, and threatened with excommunication if they do not surrender to some sort of wickedness. And it's fascinating that the end of this story is them wanting to throw Jesus out. They go to him and say, why don't you leave society? You know, the cost of being righteous is being thrown out for helping people who may have not really been grateful for your help. 
And when we look at the church around us, there are new Christians and people starting their walk with Christ. And this makes it especially difficult for them. Because you want to come and do what is right, but yet the world wants to fight you on it. Sin, chaos, evil forces, they're always hot after people who are new to the faith because they consider them easy prey to pull back to the way of death, to get them to repent, and not just repent in the godly way, but to you know, apostate, to leave the faith. As people and believers, we come to the world around us, we must work to fortify our minds against the social pressures of the world. One can argue that the townspeople in the scripture really are the worst people in the story. Because at least the demoniacs have the excuse of being outright possessed by demons. But the townspeople, they have no excuse for their hostility to righteousness. Of the actual people here, and again, flesh and blood people, I'm not including the demons in this, the townspeople are actually behaving a little worse than the demoniacs. And that's a surprising thing to say. You know, in the name demoniac, you would think they're the unruly ones. But it's actually these townspeople coming and begging Jesus to leave. But as we think about evil and the fact that some would love evil, I do have to point out that there is a, a line in Christian culture that thinks that evil cannot touch you. This idea that, well, if you're truly a person of God, nothing evil will ever come and harm you. It won't ever hurt your body. It can't do anything like that. But if we look to the Bible, we look to Scripture, this doesn't check out. It doesn't hold water. If we read our Scriptures closely, we find that evil cannot take your soul, but it can touch the body. Now, there's a big distinction to be made there. Biblically, we know that evil oftentimes comes after innocent. It comes after those who, who have suffered things already. It wants to capitalize on their suffering. Evil comes to torment the body. But the one thing that the evil never can take is your soul, unless you have given your soul over to evil. Quite often in Scripture, whether we see something like demoniacs possessing people, demoniacs throwing or excuse me, demons possessing people and demons throwing swine into the water. Or we even look to the Old Testament. You see tyrannical kings killing people. We see even Satan coming to torment Job there in the book of Job. Quite often, evil, whether demons or just evil people, actually causes real harm to those who are innocent and those who are righteous. Even in the story, John the Baptist gets his head cut off. One of the things that we know for sure in the early church that a lot of people suffered for their righteousness even to the point of death. Ever since the fall of creation, sin and evil have been causing real harm to people and this includes death. But the purpose of Jesus' ministry was to move people away from the way of death and towards the way of life. This came at a great cost. It required the Son of God to take on full human form and endure the suffering of death so that it could be conquered. And in the kingdom of God, death is not the end. There is life beyond the physical death of the body. And evil, no matter how much it wants to touch your body, how much it wants to damage it and separate the corporeal form you have from the breath of life which comes from God, evil can never have your soul unless you hand it over to you. We know that for believers, we must move towards God. We know that our salvation came at a great cost. We must have the metanoia in our life, the repentance and this is a total change in our life which moves towards God. God did not design us to suffer and be possessed by demons, but since the fall into sin, the world has been maimed by the horrors of death. The purpose of the gospel is not to say soft things which appeal to people and makes them feel nice and cute and fuzzy inside. Oftentimes we see the gospel is Jesus telling people uncomfortable truths that are often hurtful to their feelings. But yet it is what they need, and it is painful for them to endure the holiness of God, but they need to do it anyway. You find in the story, these people, they think it's painful to have Jesus in their presence, but yet Jesus is coming to give them a great gift. We look at the demons 
They love death. They cannot care for the souls of people, so they satisfy themselves with whatever death they can get their hands on. They're always happy, and evil is always happy to separate the breath of life from God's precious creatures. But we know that this is not what God had in store for us. We know that God has a greater hope for us all. He wants us to be people with aspirations. And even when it means that we kind of get thrown out of polite society, we are to do it anyway, because this is the message of the gospel. Truly, in this text, we can see the faithfulness of Christ Jesus at work. Christ is not deterred by name-calling or threats of being blacklisted from society. Evil has no power or authority over Jesus, and even the wicked forces of the world, take, though they have to take their leave. When Jesus comes up to the demons and says, go, they must go. Jesus is showing the world that it is he who has victory over life of death, and it is he who will come to judge the living and the dead. Well, that's where we're going to wrap this up today. I don't know if Anthony has any final thoughts about all of this before we close. But I want us to really walk away from this, that realizing that even though we kind of wish human nature to be naturally good and everybody to just be cute and fuzzy inside, the truth of it is, is we all are born sinners. We have inherited sin from our most ancient ancestors. And with sin in the world, you know, some people, well, they will just choose to love demons. Any final thoughts, Anthony? Yeah, I think um, the Gospels are full of this theme that Christ has been rejected. And I loved how you point out how um, here we notice the exorcism of the demons, but not that of Jesus, where he is, you know, <laughs> where they request for him to leave town. Um, and I think that is certainly symbolic of something that people very frequently do ask Christ to even leave their own personal lives. I don't think, I don't doubt for a second that people go as far as to um, try to draw themselves away from or try to get Christ out of their lives because uh, to accept Christ is also to accept the covenant. Yeah, and that's the thing. In this story, we find people, they look they look and say, oh, he's been casting out demons. Well, we want him out. Get the holiness out. They, they come and they beg the holiness to leave. They beg God incarnate to leave. And a lot of people do this, like people legitimately. You know, we had uh, Michael Taze come on the program, and he was talking about addiction. And he said another truth that a lot of people are uncomfortable with. He said, when I, when I was in addiction, I was addicted to the lifestyle. And there are a lot of people in this world who genuinely get addicted to lifestyles which are harmful to themselves. They're marred in sin. A lot of human activity is marred in sin. But there are people who are just outright addicted to that. And when given the choice for something different, they just outright reject it. It's uncomfortable, it's not cute and fuzzy, but that's just how the world is. It's ugly, it's nasty. And this story has a lot of ugliness in it, but it also has a lot of beauty in it. Just because the townspeople were upset doesn't mean that Christ still doesn't have authority to judge the living and the dead. Jesus, without their permission, without their consultation, he comes and he blesses these people possessed by demons anyway. And that's a beautiful thing. Jesus doesn't really care that much for social convention. He's going to do what he came to do, and we should be very grateful for that. Well, and um, as Jesus says on the cross, uh, you know, do not for, do not forsake them, for they know not what they do. Yeah, Christ still went to the cross for these people who asked yep. him to leave town. Yes, he did, and that's a beautiful thing. They behaved ugly and nasty, you know, demoniacs. They're ugly, they're nasty, but Jesus went to the cross for them. 
So we'll leave that there. Send us your thoughts, questions, and comments. We hope you enjoyed our program. If you haven't checked out our website, kingdomofthelogos.com, we've got articles and things for you to read. If you'd like to donate monetarily, you can do that at patreon.com slash kingdomofthelogos and download our podcast. Take it with you. We've got some new things going up. We have those movie reviews and things there on YouTube. We're going to put out another review on the movie Overcomer. And check all that out. God love you and have a blessed day.